You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Do you feel there's something missing in your life? I'm asking seriously, do you think there's something missing in your life? And if not in your life, in the life of someone you really care about? You see, you wouldn't be watching this unless you were self-aware in that sense. Because all of us who love the Lord were aware that there was something missing in our lives. Or else we wouldn't have come to know the Lord. And maybe you haven't made that decision yet, but you were self-aware enough to know something is missing. And even if you haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ, You seem to be on the journey if you're tuning in to a broadcast like this. So, again, I put the question, is there something missing in your life? How much more during lockdown do we all sense that life is passing us by? Can't move on with my job. Can't really move on with my study, ministry. I can't find a life partner. I can't connect with my friends. The list goes on and on. So, I live in a fishing village, as some of you know. And in fact, we don't just have one fishing harbour, we have two, just a kilometre apart. Because we live on a peninsula, Helvik, and it's called. And uh, I do a lot of walking, and I walk by both harbours. And so I've been looking at the boats, the fishing boats. And of course, fishing is all over the New Testament. So many of the 12 disciples of Jesus, the 12 apostles, they were fishermen. But as I'm walking, I notice some boats are really well cared for. There's always a fisherman doing something on them, and the boats are active. And then I look at other boats, and they're a bit forlorn. Whoever owns owns them isn't really caring about them, and they seem to be empty all the time. And about 10 days ago, I was walking and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there are people whose lives are like those empty boats. So my message today is all about your empty boat. Is life passing you by? Do you sense for you or someone you love that there's something really missing? And the lockdown situation just accentuates it. So I'm going to preach prophetically. And if you don't like that, leave, you know, zoom out. But I'm I'm going to do what I know God has called me to speak today. Perhaps I'm going to make someone a little uncomfortable. But honestly, this is about building people up, giving you hope, and staying to where God wants us to go. So I'm going to look at Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to look at the first seven verses If you want to get the full impact, read chapter 4 and the rest of chapter 5, you'll get the full impact then. But we're towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and that's what I'm looking at today. So may God bless his word to our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. One day, as Jesus was passing by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two empty boats at the water's edge. The fishermen were washing their nets. And as the crowds started gathering for him to speak, 
he got into one of the boats belonging to Peter or Simon Peter and asked him to put the boat out a little from the shore. Then Jesus taught the people from that boat and when he finished speaking, he said to Peter, Sail out and let down your nets for a catch of fish. But master, we fished all night and caught nothing, Peter said. But because you say it, Lord, so I will do it. And when he did it, they caught so many fish that their nets began to break. Then they called their friends from the other boat to help, so that both boats were full. If, any, if you know the Cork accent, I've just had a miracle, because the Cork accent will go, both boats were full. But if you heard me, I said both boats were full. I pronounced my TH's. That's a big thing for a Cork person. My parents drummed it into me as a child. Pronounce your THs. Both the boats were full. Let's see where we are and where Jesus was. This is a blown up map of Israel. There's the Mediterranean Sea over there. But we're here in Capernaum. And that's on the Sea of Galilee. A lot of Bible translations translate it as the Lake Gennesaret. It's the same body of water. It's still there to this day. Jesus, of course, born in Nazareth. But he didn't base his ministry in Nazareth. Why? People didn't have much faith there. You, you won't see great answers to prayer for people who don't have much faith. You won't see miracles when you've got people who are just skeptical all the time. You know, that's your gig. The Lord moves on. But Jesus moved up to Capernaum and there was a triangle of an area there where there was an awful lot of miracles happened. And Jesus is up here. Now, Capernaum was his main base. He didn't have a headquarters. There wasn't like Jesus Ministries office or something. It's just where Jesus spent more of his time. And it was from there that he traveled around. But that was his main base. Why, why is that important? It's really a bit like the church. Jesus worked so much in his church and in the local church. Of course, he moves out in the community as well, but the base of any move of God will always be the Christian church. It has been for 2,000 years. It is the biblical pattern. So whatever God is doing, something is going to happen in the Christian church. So as we read, as you listen, as you watch Capernaum today, think of you as a member of the church. What is Jesus doing? Well, we're told, of course, that Jesus was passing by. It's not that Jesus was just wandering aimlessly around going, Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen today. Jesus wasn't just walking around saying, I don't know when I come up now and I'll have a chat with him. There was none of that. Jesus was intentional. When the Bible says he was passing by, it's not all about that Jesus was just, oh, here he is. No, he was intentional. But it's anthropomorphic. It's using language that we can understand. So Jesus is literally in Capernaum moving around, as he does with the church. Jesus moves in the local church, and that's not a building, it's the people. So Jesus is in the area, and we're told that he saw two empty boats. Interesting that Jesus sees the boats first, because the boat is symbolic 
of um, the passage, the way to move forward. It's a vehicle, if you will. Even in a lot of cultures, like for example, where I live, Helvig Peninsula, that was founded by the Vikings, they, for example, in their pagan culture, believed that you had to pay the boatman to bring you over to the next life and all this kind of thing. But a boat is symbolic in all cultures, but in the Bible as well. So he sees two empty boats. And maybe you're watching on and you feel your, your life is passing you by. You've only got so many years on the planet and we've already had a whole year of lockdown, more or less. Life feels like it's passing you by. If that's you, Jesus is looking at your empty bowl today. Would anyone say amen? Amen. It hasn't escaped his nose. He sees it. But where were the fishermen? Well, we're told that they were washing their nets. Chapter 5 and verse 2. The fishermen were doing the everyday humdrum. Remember, two of the boats were empty, so they weren't fulfilling their potential. They were vacant. There wasn't an awful lot of fruit coming out of those boats, maybe like you feel. And what were the owners doing? They were washing their and fixing their nets. In other words, they were doing the humdrum. I wonder how many of you can identify with the statement I heard someone say a while back. It seems all my life is at the moment is going to the supermarket and preparing meals. It feels so humdrum. There isn't an awful lot happening in my life. I can put on the screen. I do the, uh, the meals. I go to the supermarket. I work online. There's not an awful lot happening. It's so humdrum. And Peter and all of these fishermen, if you will, their backs almost were to Jesus because, and that's why I choose this photo here, because they were just taken up with the humdrum. And I want to speak into those of you who are in the midst of the humdrum. The everyday, very basic stuff. Washing the nets. Humdrum is necessary. Humdrum is essential. But greater things are yet to come. Hallelujah. Your future is not just the humdrum. If the hand of God is on your life, that is not your future because God is something else for you. And right now you might say, I can't see anything but lockdown. The news is all doom and gloom. And you know what? I am here to say Jesus Christ has a greater plan for you. Greater things have yet to come and yet to happen in our lives because God has not written the next chapter yet. Hallelujah. Amen. You're Peter. There was no fish caught last night. You're just in the humdrum. I feel a little bit low. I think Peter felt a little bit low. He was doing the necessary, but he had no concept, no concept of the greater things that were about to happen in his life. No concept. And yet Jesus was watching, and I prophesy, hallelujah, Jesus is looking into lives of people who are watching this, and he sees the empty boat, and you are at a low ebb, and you have no idea what Jesus is about to do. We think we can see the future, no we can't, but he can. And look what he does, he asks Peter about the boat, can I use your boat if you read into it? And he got into Peter's boat. And remember, they took it out a little bit so he could speak to the crowd. Now, this was a huge honor for Peter. 
Massive honour. Now, Peter had not yet been called to be a follower of Jesus. He wasn't one of the twelve. There wasn't a twelve at this stage. It's important we get that. But he would have known about Jesus. And he probably would have seen him before. Remember all of the crowd began to gather to hear Jesus speak. For 400 years, the Maccabean era, there was nothing since the prophet Micah. Nothing had happened for 400 years. And then a voice in the wilderness pointed the way to Jesus, John the Baptist. So the crowd were really set up. They were really eager to hear Jesus. And so Peter would have known about Jesus. And Jesus asked to use his boat? Me? What a great honour. What a huge honour. And Peter was kind enough to give this to the Lord. You know, here's a principle for your life that I promise will not be contradicted and for mine. When we're kind to the Lord, he's kind to us. When we give for the Lord, he gives back to us. Press down, shake it together. I'm running over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the God who pours out blessing. Peter was kind to the Lord. He could have said, I've got to wash my nets in a rough night. What do you want? No, get some other fella. But no, you can see Peter's had a generous heart and his kindness there. And so here we see Peter doing this. You see, Peter had yet to move into his destiny. Yet to move into his destiny. Like many of us caught up in a lockdown humdrum. God had a destiny. Jesus had a destiny. Peter just didn't see it yet. And so Jesus preached. And then as he, Jesus finished speaking, he turned and he spoke to Peter. And it's not like, uh, Peter, uh, uh. no, when Jesus spoke to you, he looked at you full on. They say that people with a lot of charisma, one of the things they do is they really look you in the eye. Do you ever notice a group photograph taken? And 80 or 90% of the people will be looking right, left, up, down behind them. And there will always be one or two people who will be looking directly at the camera. And they just have eye contact with the camera. And they stand out rather than the people who are all this. You see, when Jesus spoke to you, you know he was speaking to you. So Jesus turns and looks at Peter. So the crowd are there, but Peter doesn't see it. This is all about Jesus talking to Peter. And I pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, that some of you will hear Jesus talking to you today. He hadn't yet moved into his destiny, but look at what Jesus said. Peter, sail out and let down your nets for a catch of fish. Into a hopeless humdrum situation comes a word of hope, a word of direction. And it made no sense. Sometimes you and I, and I'm very logical in my nature, sometimes logic won't answer the question. Sometimes an algorithm just won't point the way. You see, there's a wonderful verse in scripture repeated a few times, the anointing breaks the yoke. When the anointing of God comes upon you or your situation, that which was holding it back, that which was not a blessing, is broken. 
And so Jesus speaks a word of direction into Peter, like perhaps he's speaking into some of us today in a humdrum situation. And he says to Peter, set sail, sail out and let down your nets. And you know, Peter gives a very reasonable excuse, but master, we fished all night and we caught nothing. How many of you are there today? I've been through some form of lockdown for the last year and nothing has happened. I haven't moved forward with my job. I haven't found that life partner. I haven't really connected with my friends. I haven't recovered in my sickness. I haven't been able to do the ministry that's burning in my heart. There's many, many, many ways we can see this. Peter said, I have caught nothing. So many of us here are saying, my life isn't really working just now. I am just washing my nets. I'm just standing at the fishing nets. I'm catching nothing. I'm doing nothing. And on the outside, it might look like I'm holding it together. But inside, I am beginning to despair. Nothing. Peter had a very reasonable excuse. You and I can have a reasonable excuse. How can I move forward in this current situation? That's reasonable. That's so reasonable. How can you really find your life partner? How can you move forward in your career or in your studies or in your friendships or even in your health? How can I move forward in ministry? When everything is closed up, that's very reasonable. The anointing breaks the yoke. Hallelujah. The anointing breaks the yoke. I can remember, I have it written at home in my diary. A man stood up and prophesied just under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in Germany, early 1989. And he prophesied that the Berlin Wall would fall. I should have written down his name. I can give you the name if you want. But he prophesied it. They all laughed at him. But you see, they didn't take into account that the anointing would break the yoke. He said the Berlin Wall would fall. He prophesied it to a wider church situation in Germany in 1989. And you know what? It made no logical sense when that prophecy came out. But in November 1989, that wall came down. People were in shock. It was what they call a black swan event. But like the virus, a bit like 9-11, a bit like the financial crash, nobody saw it coming, but Jesus did. And Jesus does stuff, and allows stuff that we never could guess. So Peter had a reasonable excuse, but he equally had a humble heart. And he wasn't a know-all. Do you ever meet a know-all? There's no talking to them. They just know it all. Michael, I know why you're laughing. <laughs> You're the biggest <laughs> I met one guy today. Do you know, uh, God forbid any of us would be in all. It's like just not teachable. And some people, particularly in this situation, whatever current issue is on the go, they just know it all. I mean, we had people coming to the door of the church preaching at us about not wearing a mask. It was crazy. Not wearing a face mask. It was absolutely off the wall. I mean, they literally had gone through the mirror of Alice in Wonderland. They ignored all um, advice from every single medical person, World Health Organization, all of that. I know there was a bit of debate at the start, but they were preaching scriptures against churches like ours, which is almost every church anyway. But it was this crazy kind of thing. 
They just were not teachable. They wouldn't listen to any evidence. But you know, Peter, he had a humble heart. And he wore, wore the, uh, or waved the white flag, as, you, as it will, as if you will. Because when Jesus said, say that and do this, even though logic said no, Peter said, because you say so, Lord, I'll do it. And he did it, and he did it with a submissive heart. And you know the story, they caught so many fish, were told, their nets began to break. Such was the blessing, such was the abundance. My goodness me, what a blessing. What a, a presto shaking together, running over. Peter was kind enough to give Jesus the boat, and Jesus then blessed him. Anything we give to God, he blesses us. You could even go and look at the tenfold increase in scripture. I won't go into that today. So Peter is blessed with so many fish. Now I'm getting to the real point of my message. I hope you're listening. How many boats did Jesus see empty when he walked into Capernaum that morning? Two boats were empty. And yet Jesus only went into one boat. So I'm speaking to the guy who owns the other boat. Because I think that's a lot of us. It's like we can look on, I know now I'm getting into cursed comparison and you've heard many um, sermons on that over the years, but just bear with me on this one. The other guy is being blessed. The other guy has plenty of money coming in. He's not relying on pandemic payments, unemployment payments. The other guy has a big house. I have a small little tiny house. The other guy's kids are grown up. My kids are screaming, running around like wild things in the house from being locked up. The other guy has no underlying health conditions I do. I mean, the list can go on. It's like Jesus went into his boat, but hey Jesus, what about my boat? Why did you just go into Peter's boat? You never used my boat. My boat, while you were ministering, was just empty all the time. Well, what does Peter do? They call their friends from the other boat to come and help. And it ended up that both, here I go with my cork accents, both boats were full. Both boats were full. You see, some versions, especially the more conservative translations of the Bible that are quite old, they put in business partners, but it didn't work like that in New Testament Israel. You worked with someone that you trusted, that you could sit down and eat with. That was the culture. Someone who really was on the same heart level as yourself. So their business partners were really their friends. And so they call on their friends to help. And the friends are blessed abundantly. I love what Nicky Gumbel, the founder, main founder of Alpha says, Friendship multiplies our joys and it divides our sorrows. Would you say amen to that one? Amen, I certainly would. And so amen. Would Friendship multiplies our joys and divides our sorrows. That's why one of the really difficult things with this current situation is we don't have the same contact with friends. But hey, guess what? We all have phones. We can even do video calls. We can send messages. I mean, it's not the best, but there's ways around it. So the 
friendship here sees the blessing. And this overflow of blessing is all through the Bible. So we read in Genesis 49 how um, Joseph was a vine uh, that had grapes in it and it grew over the wall and the fruit grew over the wall of the vineyard. It's symbolic. So the vines overgrew and there was an overflow of blessing. Psalm 23, you know this one, my cup what? Overflows. Overflows. Joel chapter 2, the wheat and the oil, when God's blessing came, the vats of oil and the barns of wheat just overflowed to all around them. And as we just saw there in Luke 5, the fish overflowed. There is a principle, you could almost say a spiritual law in the scripture, that when a blessing comes, it's not just isolated to that person. Look, it operates the opposite way, doesn't it? If there's an alcoholic in your family, does it just impact the alcoholic? It impacts the whole family. If dad or mum is an alcoholic, you think that doesn't impact the kids? You think it doesn't impact the finances? Or their health? Or any kind of addiction? Addictions are crosses. And the shadow spreads far to friends as well. But the opposite is true. And we are here as voices of hope, hallelujah, to say that the blessing overflows. We can see the curse spreading its shadow, but on the opposite. And we're on the side of the angels. So I won't say it again. We are on the winning side. We're on the side of the light, not the darkness. And Jesus Christ, when he blesses you, your husband or wife, your kids, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your community will also be blessed. Blessing just overflows. So let me come to the big conclusion of where I want to pray prophetically today and speak into some lives as well. If you are the guy in the other boat and you saw all of the blessing going on Peter's boat and your boat was empty, I don't know about you, but I think most of us would go, why, why did he choose his boat like? Why was I my boat? It was such a huge honour in that culture. Why did Jesus choose him? And my boat was right next to it. He never chose it. But you see, there was a blessing for the owner of the other boat. First of all, because Jesus used the other guy's boat, Peter's boat, it meant that now Jesus was closer to the guy from the other boat. If Peter had said no, Jesus could have moved on and gone to another boat in another part of the harbour or maybe even moved on to the next town, Corazin. But no, because Peter said yes, Jesus was now closer to the other boat. We saw there was an overflow of blessing, of fish, and it's also true that the owner of the other boat heard the word for today. I'm not here to promote that lovely free booklet, the word for today, but Jesus spoke a word for today, for those people in Capernaum. And the owner of the other, other boat heard that just as much as Peter or anyone else. So the blessing of the living word spoken into their community, into their collective situation, was heard by the other boat owner as well. And then, here's what I love. Who was the owner of the other boat? Who was this guy? Who was it? Well, it was none other than John the Beloved. 
John and his brother James owned that boat, and Peter and his brother Andrew owned the boat that was used. Now I'm going to ask you a question, if you have any bit of Bible knowledge at all, consider Peter's brother Andrew. He was one of the twelve. Great believer, a man who was blessed. But can you really compare his intimacy with Jesus as compared to John? And it was his boat, he, he was co-owner of the boat, that was used by Jesus more than John's boat. And yet, of those four guys, we're told that the three friends who were closest to Jesus were, yeah, Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers, the sons of thunder. But of those three, the one who Jesus loved was John. So how strange things worked out. Andrew, co-owner of the boat that was used, isn't as blessed in the fullness of time as John, the guy whose boat was empty. So I prophesy to many lives watching in, here live, on catch-up, listening on podcasts, watching in on YouTube, I don't care whether you're watching live at 10 past, quarter past 12 on Sunday the 21st of February in the year of our Lord 2021, or you're watching or listening to this later on on catch-up, I prophesy that if you feel your boat is empty, God is saying to many here, you're going to be like John the Beloved. You're going to hear the word of God for today in a way you wouldn't have otherwise. You're going to have Jesus closer to you now because he's moving on someone else. You're going to have an overflow of blessing from the other. But more than all of that, you're going to be even closer to Jesus on the other side of this. Jesus and John. John the Beloved. Remember he put his head back on Jesus' chest and asked him, Is it me, Lord? That was how, how easy they were with one another, how good a relationship they had with one another. So the guy whose boat was empty ends up being the most blessed of all and the only one of all the twelve who stood at Calvary and saw Jesus and didn't go and hide. The only one who Jesus said, dying on the cross, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. It was the guy whose boat was left empty. And I prophesy, greater things have yet to come in your life. If you faint in the day of adversity, how weak is your strength? Don't faint. Signs might look great in your immediate future right now, don't faint. Amen. Greater things have yet to come for your life. Amen. And I prophesy that. So I'm going to pray for our brothers and sisters who love the Lord and who feel life is passing them by. I'm also going to pray for some of you who've stumbled on. You've found this maybe by accident. Maybe someone else is watching on a TV screen and you've wandered into the room. Or maybe you're, you just came across it because someone shared it on Facebook or whatever. But maybe God is speaking to you because your boat is empty and you don't really know the Lord, but he wants to know you. He's only a prayer away. 
I'm going to pray, but I'm just going to share some prophetic uh, words. I have one really strong prophetic word, and it's this. And the word I want to share is, I, I saw a number of people shoving plants into a greenhouse, and the greenhouse had the heat up high. And the Lord is saying, your relationship is going nowhere because you're trying to hothouse the relationship. And Jesus is saying, just as he said to Peter, let go control of this. If you stop trying to control this relationship, it has a great chance of going somewhere. But because you're trying to push, even as the Son Solomon says, you can't force love. You're forcing love. And you're pushing the person away. Turn down the heat. Stop shoving and hothousing that relationship. Step back. Hear God's word. Wave the white flag in that friendship or that marriage or that family relationship, whatever it is. Wave the white flag. Hear the word of God into your life today. Let go and let God. That's a real old saying. But it's profound and it's true. Let go and let God into that relationship. And he will look after. And you, right now, you're stealing the other person's initiative. They have no initiative because you're controlling everything. Control freaks don't make for great partners, great mums or dads, great kids, great friends. Let it go. Let them have the initiative as well. I want to speak to a man, a middle-aged man, who has a major financial issue and I know I'm speaking to someone who's watching in life. Obviously, it's confidential, but you want to contact me. If I can help you, I can. But you're under a lot of financial pressure, and it feels hopeless. Now, I'm not going to say, ring me, and I have the money for you. I don't, but I do know this, that the Lord is saying to you. Just lift your eyes off your bank account and up to him. Step number one. Step number two, keep your heart humble. Step number three, don't be afraid. And then step number four, share it with someone who was on your heart. Share it with them. And they will have a word that will be key to you moving forward and over the hopeless situation. I leave it at that. If this is from the Holy Spirit, it will really speak into someone. If it's not, then I'm wrong. But they're the two things. The relationship hothouser and the guy, and it's a man, with the money, who just can't look beyond it. Jesus is saying, you're never going to be blessed until you look up. It's time to look up. I'm going to pray now for everyone who's got an empty boat. And I pray that one of you will faint during this lockdown. That you hang in there. And that you'll see God as a destiny. Jesus has a destiny for you, just like Peter. He called him after this, and he became chief among the twelve. And John, the beloved, was even more blessed. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit will come into every sitting room, every bedroom, every car, every kitchen, where this broadcast has been watched. And I ask you, Holy Ghost of Heaven, Would you break the yoke of your anointing? 
Would you give hope to those who feel life is passing them by? Would you let them see, O oh God, that the blessing will overflow into their lives? And I pray, O oh God, that none of us would faint, but we would be strong, not in our own strength, but in our God. I ask the Lord that you would help each one who's feeling low now, and that we would have that inner strength and the peace that passes all understanding. Move upon that relationship that has been hothoused. Help my brother or sister to let that relationship go and give the other the initiative to meet them halfway. Lord, help my brother to look off the bank account and lift his head up to see you because that's the first step out of this financial crisis. Lord Jesus, here in our land, we've had a week of prayer and fasting. We've prayed for our uh, physical healing. We've prayed for our um, spiritual healing. We've prayed for our emotional and mental well-being healing. I pray, O oh God, that that healing that we prayed for in our land would happen profoundly. And I ask you, Jesus, that we would all be thankful for it. Pray for the prosperity of your city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We pray, according to Micah 6.8, heal our land. Would anyone say amen? amen? Heal our land, mentally, physically, spiritually. And as you heal our land, heal our relationships, heal our careers, our study, heal our ministry, heal our friendships. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let our boats bring in many fish and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name.